Action Park Media. Kia it's Iwi and welcome back to Pretty Depressed. I have a really exciting episode for you today. Also, um, forgot to mention it last week, but if you could please like, subscribe, rate, give a good review, it really helps me um, do this podcast and make it possible, both on behalf of myself and Action Park Media. We're very appreciative of it. Um, so today... A really cool one. We are speaking to Frank Arthur Smith. Now, we worked together on a show called Smilf. It was an Emmy-nominated TV show for Showtime. He's a phenomenal human being. Uh, we just had, we just giggled and had the most delightful time talking about all our troubles and mental health issues. So get comfy, grab a cup of tea, unless you're driving. Enjoy it. This is Pretty Depressed with Frank. What is this magic show that you've been creating? Yes, yeah, so I'm doing a few things. Um, I'm doing one very pure thing, working on a kid's show called Ocean Explorers on YouTube. It's by the same company that does Coco Melon. Um, so if you want to hypnotize your kids, but also teach them about creatures about of the ocean, you can do that here. Um, and then the other thing I'm working on is a gay comedy series called Open to It, which is uh, much more adult. You should not watch with your children, but okay. watch with your partner. <laughs> well, I like that. You've kind of blanketed across a bunch of different areas. What's the um, fascination with the under the ocean? Because obviously I'm a huge marine biologist fan and studying that. So yeah. Do you have any connection to the ocean? Or I always love hearing that. Well, actually, so while I did study science in college, um, the ocean, not so much. My fiance even makes fun of me because he's like, you won't even go into the water when we go to the beach and you're writing about sea creatures. And I'm like, well, you know, I've watched Blue Planet. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> That's phenomenal. I love that. What's your favorite uh, underwater creature that you've not met yet? Oh, what a wonderful question. Um, there is a creature called the Kobudai where um, when there isn't enough gender parity, uh, the fish change genders. And I think that's a beautiful metaphor. I, you know what, I've heard about this. Yeah, where they can... Oh, once they get to a certain temperature, right, they can change their sexuality if needed. And so, yeah, what will happen is like if the, you know, toughest, biggest, baddest ass female will just be like, I'm the male now. Let's do this. And, you know, the species continues. Isn't that cool? God, Nick, <laughs> so rad. Okay. And then did you start this, um, the gay series that you're doing? Is that, is that your brainchild? Yeah, this is my sort of indie series that uh, started off as a short and then became three episodes. And now we filmed nine episodes. Uh, we screened the first few on Outfest. Uh, and we've got, you know, other stuff coming up. We're about to show episode four in Boston, where I'm from, um, at a film festival where we won an award last year. So it's very special to be home because it's actually the first thing I've ever directed this episode of TV. So I'm excited. Uh, congratulations. Well, good luck. Thank you. Uh, that's probably a good place to start. So you and I are creatives. Not everyone who's listening will be a freelance creative, but there are lots of parallels with trying, not succeeding, timelines, uh, something I'm working on at the moment, which you may have heard in my previous podcast is I'm just back at the same place I was like three years ago where I had a timeline, a little clock in the corner of my screen of when I thought that I should achieve things and worked through that, learned to love the journey yet as cycles back <laughs> here and gone, oh, cool. Still not quite on the trajectory that I planned. And like, whilst one part of my foot is in the land of like, yeah, but I'm, you know, so much life experience. The other part of me is like, yep, yeah, but we definitely thought we'd have surpassed this or that we wouldn't be struggling for rent again in your 30s. But no, no, 
here we are. So you're like, oh, this isn't a destination year. It's a journey year again. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Sounds good. <laughs> cool, cool. I hate that for me. Love it. For <laughs> uh, where do you kind of sit on that continuum? Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, I relate to that intimately because I feel like my entertainment, well, not even just entertainment journey, but like I definitely am a master of the false start where like things are going really well and then suddenly cratering. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's not what I thought it was going to be. Great, cool. Just readjusting, reconnoitering, whatever. Um, but I think I'm old enough that I try now to sort of remember what uh, what step got me to what place. So even right now, for instance, I just submitted like uh, for a writing fellowship, which are like notoriously hard to get into. And I was good at like communicating out loud with my partner, like, I'm really happy I wrote this essay. I'm glad I looked at myself this way. Like, I feel like I learned something about myself and I'm trying to be better about like upfront announcing, <laughs> honestly, like proclaiming like self, I have an announcement about um, what the benefit was because otherwise it's way too easy to just see like, oh, I didn't get it and, you know, live in that space, which I'm, again, That's working great. on, not doing as often. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're in a podcast. We're like, yeah, here's what I do. Do I know a lot of great things to do that I don't follow through on. <laughs> Me too. Like, but I don't want to do it that way. Uh, I love that. Okay, so proclaiming and kind of going like, yeah, this is, if this is what it is, here's what I'm proud of, rather than kind of going, good luck in the world. And do you, are you quite an optimist when you do put stuff out and creativity into the world? Depends. Uh, what time in the morning is it? Uh, no, I like, so. Why yeah. does that change? That's fascinating. I, <laughs> I wake was, up and I'm like, yay. And then during the day, I'm like. Oh, oh. super that. Yes. Okay. I am. I'm very much a morning Percy. Per, morning Percy. I am yeah. a Percy in the morning. Pretty I'm, a, I'm a morning person. I'm ready to go. I'm jazzed. My fiance is very much not that. <laughs> he is like, he takes. I feel like he wakes up by around 2 p.m., like not literally, but like spiritually. Um, but then at night, he's like, all right, let's go dancing. And I'm like, oh, you mean watch Stranger Things on the couch? Sounds great to me. Um, and yeah, so I think I, I do trend optimist for sure. But I, like anybody, have my moments where I, you know, you repeat a step often enough that doesn't quite uh, lead you to, down the hallway you thought it would and you can feel dispirited. So, but I'm lucky because I feel like actually my partner and I get, uh, you know, have we've experienced like low moods in similar ways. So I think we're able to be like assets for one another. However, if we're both feeling down at once, <laughs> no one's helpful to anybody. <laughs> it's just all shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I've been dealing a lot or working through the word disappointment. Mm. And uh, so something that would be typical of my behavior would be, uh, and I'll put it in audition terms, but people can replace the word audition with whatever it is that they're trying to do. Whereas I'll think something goes so well, like that was my experience, whether it's a job interview, in this case, an audition, it went so well. So I'm an eternal optimist. I'm like, oh, I may as well have to block out May because obviously we did that. <laughs> and then if disappointment, disappointment comes, the floor opens up because I've kind of allowed myself to get my hopes up, put all my validation in that the experience was positive. And so when the result doesn't come off, because not all auditions feel great. Sometimes I leave being like, well, I have no talent and I should <laughs> have nothing to offer the world. But when it feels good and the result is bad, it's very disorientating for me. Do you have that kind of experience as well? 
I've taken to doing this thing, which I'm now trying to get out of the habit of like literally last week with my therapist, I was like, I'm going to stop doing this where I try to reverse psychology, the universe. So I go like, you know, even if I don't get this fellowship, I'm so glad I did this. And like, obviously I'm probably not going to get it, but if I did, and I'm like, you know what? That's obvious. I don't need to give voice to the fact that I might not get it. I'm not like, it's this weird thing. I understand why I'm doing it. I'm trying to one, like lower my expectations a little bit and also kind of sort of pre-mourn the disappointment. But instead I feel like, I don't know. I want to be more, I like, I, I want to be resilient for sure. Mm. But I also think it's fine to experience disappointments as they come and not put up so many guardrails ahead of when anything has happened. That's good. Yeah. I, I Do you do cognitive behavioral therapy or what kind of therapy? I've not, but you were giving it a good sell last time. What have you, okay. what have you learned from it? Well, I just tend to like, I have to get off the roller coaster earlier. So if I experience disappointment, I have to go straight into distraction because if I wallow in it, then the spiral happens very quickly. Uh, so if I were to stay at home and isolate in disappointment or allow it or take a bath and be like, oh, feel the feeling, whilst that is so successful for a lot of people, that can take me down to a level that it's hard to get it. So I'm better to distract, distract, logically deal with it, and then allow permission to have a sad moment and stuff. So I just kind of have to operate a bit differently because if I'm see, on yeah. a disappointment roller coaster, I can stay on it for too long. I I'm guess. sure you've asked yourself this plenty of times, but yeah, that's the question I think is like, how much disappointment am I like allowed to feel over this? You know, like, uh, cause that's, what's so crazy. Like I remember one time a few years ago, I had just learned something challenging about my mom's health. And then like a friend, a new friend, by the way, like kind of like ghosted me and disappeared on me. And like, normally it would be like, I've hung out with this guy three times, whatever, who cares? But like that hit me really, really hard given everything else that was going on. And I still remember that moment as like, wow, I really overreacted to him just kind of like <clears throat> going away. And I don't know, it's, that's what's, it, it's such a challenge sometimes, like, because you try to, like you said, logic yourself and be like, this wasn't that big a deal. You shouldn't feel bad. And yet, <clears throat> You do. And that's what's hard for me to get, get out of. The, I was like, well, I do feel awful. I know I'm not supposed to, but I do. So, yeah. That, yeah, I'm definitely in a season of that. It's like once you have the tools and knowledge, it's harder to just allow the feelings. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, we can look, we can reason our way out of anything. And it's like, well, I should be able to feel the feelings because mm, that's what human mm -hmm. is. So, but yes, you're right putting a time limit on it. Like I'm allowed to feel shitty, but only for this afternoon. And then I've got to keep yeah. moving forward or allow myself kind of a bit of a window. Um, you self-proclaimed yourself in our emails as a people pleaser. Do you know what your people pleasing stems from? Um, yeah, my mother. But here's the funny thing. It's like not from a dark place. Like I think she is just someone who is a people pleaser who, and I just found that to be like an appealing quality as a child of like, oh, she works hard for people. People love her. People adore her. Like I need to be like that. And she would offer advice that I think like I found helpful of like, oh, when you walk out the door, have a smile on your face. And I think I just realized, oh, taken to an extreme that can be uh, really tough on a person. Like, by the way, she is in her seventies and <laughs> pleasing is still part of who she is. Like last year we were at my screening, um, in Boston of the first episode and there was this, uh, so it preceded an Icelandic feature, which was in subtitles. 
And afterwards, I was like, Mom, what'd you think of the movie? Because the audience was laughing hysterically. They really liked it. Uh, and she was like, well, I didn't really understand much of it. I was like, oh yeah, it wasn't English. She was like, well, no, there, the woman in front of me, she had really big hair and I couldn't see the subtitles. And I was like, mom, we could have switched seats. I wouldn't, she was like, well, I didn't want to be rude. You seemed like you were enjoying it so much. And I was like, I'm literally your family. You can say, hey, you're taller than I am. Please switch seats so I can see the subtitles on this woman's hair. But like, so unwilling to like disturb the status quo was she. So that's where I was like, okay, this, yeah, let's let's advocate for ourselves a little more than that. I, I love that because I'm really... I am. I also, my mother is a massive people pleaser and it is the nicest, most delightful quality about her. She makes everybody feel welcome, as I'm yes, sure your definitely. mother has. Everybody's seen and heard. People feel relaxed around her that they can share anything because her love is unconditional because she just genuinely loves being of service to others. Yeah. So like yeah. I do, I'm hesitant like you are to kind of like shit on people pleasing because... Because <laughs> it is such a nice quality, but you're right. I think as the children of people pleasers who develop people pleasing as well, we do have to find what that balance is. And if you are prioritizing people's needs over your own or you end up putting yourself at risk of burnout because yes. you're accommodating other things. Also, I'm pro my people pleasing because it gives me a lot of drive and obedience in the sense of time management, which is mm. you need some, like the fact that I was going to be 10 minutes late and had to push this today has been the panic of a century because <laughs> I hate putting people out. And uh, so I, you know, there are good things that come with it. Um, I, I do think, and I don't know what your childhood was like, but I also feel like. I had some um, unpredictability in my household when I was mm. younger. And so I think my people pleasing also came out of sort of a fear of um, something bad could happen, you know, like always trying to manage the emotions of the room or be very acutely aware of it. Is that something and you can speak to as much yeah. as of your childhood as you want, but do you feel like you are kind of entering a room as an empath and putting little numbers above everyone's head of kind of where they're at and do you feel when a temperature changes in someone and do you deflect with comedy or how do you kind of feel like you manage that? Yeah, I echo a lot of what you said. I, you know, one of the things I love best about myself is I'm incredibly emotionally intelligent and the way you just described it felt right. Like I can feel a temperature shift in a way that I feel like even sometimes I'll talk to my fiance and he'll be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, 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 I'm right about this. And sure enough. So like, I am very attentive to those nuances and yeah, actually that I hadn't thought about it, but that does come from a similar place of like, my dad is the eldest of six. There were a lot of, you know, personalities at family gatherings and like <laughs> there were a number where like for as many people as had a good time, a few people got into a very strange argument. And I think I kind of learned early on, oh, like, I can manage this. Like I kind of made it my role to keep the peace at, you know, events where something was going off and like, Oh, okay. If I make this joke here, or like if I get these two people alone in the room and like sort of became like the savior of the family reunions, but yeah. um, you can definitely then, you know, when you were talking about your mom, the phrase that came to mind is like, well, when does she take time to please herself? And I think that's, what's easily forgotten when you are such a giver and, one thing I will give my mom a lot of credit for actually is for as empathetic and giving as she can be when she, she's a small business owner as well. And she is definitely great at 
not taking nonsense from people. Like I have seen her really lay into clients who are like, honestly, even just like giving her an attitude. And she's like, excuse me, I do a lot of work for you. I would appreciate a more civil tone and great at standing up for herself. And that's where I feel like I have now learned to be an empath, but also be a boss bitch where like people definitely can confuse kindness with weakness. And I've learned it's not the the two choices are not be nice or lay down. I can politely tell you what I'm not loving about what you're doing and you will understand what I'm saying. So that's what I've sort of like started to learn the language of. And that way, like, I don't feel put upon. I don't feel like I'm taking on everyone else's job just because I like don't want to inconvenience them. Like, no, we all are a team here and you, you know, teams give feedback to one another and that's fine and normal. Are you good at receiving feedback or do you go, ow? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, the, the penetrating questions went zinger after zinger. Um, I have gotten much better at not taking feedback personally. I, I am who I am. And I think a small amount will always feel like, you know, yeah. I never used to put it this way. I never used to repeat the word failure so often. And ever since like, having my own show that like I'm responsible for that word comes up a lot. Um, and I take a little too much on of like, Oh, if this didn't go right, if this doesn't look quite the way I want it to, it's like not only my fault, but like, instead of like this moment in the show, isn't working, like you're a failure. And that has been some conscious unlearning of like separate yourself from your projects, from any work you do of like, there's a funny version of this, actually. I used to work at Trader Joe's when I first moved out here. And... That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> because everyone at Trader Joe's is so nice. Like, <laughs> And I had lived above one in Philadelphia, so I'm such a Trader Joe's fanboy. Like, it was, a, it was honestly a dream job. And one time I was working the demo station trying to, like, sell a, like, sort of flatbread, a mushroom tart. And Kim, it was a rough day. No one was buying it. Uh, people were not into it. People are afraid of mushrooms. But <laughs> I guess I was just having a moment because I expressed to my boss, I was like, I feel kind of bad. I feel like normally I move product better than this. And like today, nobody's having any of it. And he goes, Frank, you are not the mushroom tart. <laughs> and he was kidding, but that actually made me feel a lot yeah, you're better. Like, you sure? Because it does feel very personal. Yeah. <laughs> very personal. Like I am the mushroom tart. No one wants to bite into my cheesy goodness either. I was also single at the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah. That's a really, that's, I 100% struggle with that. I think anyone who perhaps has a small business or they are what they're selling, whether they're an actor, model, writer, artist, uh, freelancer, it is very difficult. I really admire people who can separate themselves from So when I miss out on a role, if I've gotten close to it or something like if it's very hard for me to go, oh, like maybe they wanted someone with brown hair because my other logic goes, nah, you could have dyed your hair. That's not it. Like, it is, it is. It's so horrible, but it's, it is really hard to kind of split the you the artist and you, you know, or me, Kim, the person and me, the version of the thing I did um yeah because I would totally feel like the mushroom tart that would (laughs) relate to that I'd be like well it's me I'm a piece of shit like this is horrible so I get that how have you learned to kind of separate is there anything that you've done that's been helpful 
I think having, so weirdly just having other interests, I think. Um, when there was a fellowship I like was applied for a few years ago, actually, where the program instructor was very kind and like held sessions for people applying. And what she was saying about writing in particular was in order to succeed in this program. And I think in this industry, you need to have a 360 degree view of yourself. And now she was applying that to like, when you're a writer, like tell us like, what languages do you speak? What experiences have you had? What's your background? But now I've realized for myself, that I just sort of need things that bring me joy that don't have an end goal that are there just for the joy of it. And that I can freely talk about. I think it's so easy for me to over talk something to myself, to my fiance, to friends. And I have learned that it needs the space to be discussed, but there is an end point too, where I have now overdone it and I'm just looping and I need to sort of move on. So for me, like Matt and I go on hikes a lot. I'm learning American sign language. We like going out and dancing. Like these are all things that like I make sure to not only keep up with, but also put into the conversation. So I don't so closely associate my identity with open to it. It's like, that's but one facet of me. That's great. So previously, would you get all your validation from employment or success in your career? Is that kind of what you would feel you'd be most? For the reason that I think the sort of inappropriate self-talk I was having was, well, unless you put all of yourself into this, it's your fault if it doesn't succeed. So like you are letting yourself down by not 100% putting yourself behind this. So you need to like take every moment you can to talk to people about this, to promote this, to like work on it, to think on it. Like if you allow yourself to step away from it for one second, you are doing a disservice to the project and to everyone who worked on it with you. And realizing you can't take that responsibility on. And in fact, you are a more complete if you really want to look at it in terms of goals, you're a more complete, better advocate when you give yourself some space and relax. If it becomes all you are, you're actually kind of not doing as good a job of it. So I'm like cringing hearing this because I'm like, <laughs> 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 it's so true. I do that. Like, you know, I have this afternoon off and I'm like, well, I've got to learn this script and da, 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 da. And I'm like, I kind of want to watch TV. But if I sit yeah. here and watch TV, I won't enjoy it because I'll have this guilt dialogue going on in my head of like, oh, so you're just lazy now, is it? So you're not putting a hundred. So, okay. So if it doesn't work out, we'll remember this moment that you weren't. Yeah. That kind of talk. Is that sort of what you relate to? Yeah. Very intimately of like, you know, (laughs) I know (laughs) to the point where even like, I'll be, I'll be actively doing something. Like I will be like, I also like teach classes and like, I'll be teaching a class and then be telling myself, okay, well, the students are working on a writing assignment, so you should go read an article right now. Instead of like, you are literally being paid to be here. Like you do not need to do three things. It is okay. So where does your high productivity come from? Because you're obviously, an, shocking, an overachiever. Uh, <laughs> self-diagnosed as well. Um, and actually physically diagnosed by my psychologist. Uh, where does that come from? Is that just because you also love it? Because I feel like as actors and things, a lot of us are overachievers because we love what we do and we just want to be doing it all the time. So we kind of fixate on trying to get back to the place of doing it. I Well said. I can't get enough. Yeah. I mean, like, I also have, like, parents who, you know, they're both small business owners, highly achieving people. My sister's an actress. So I, it truly is just in our DNA as people. And, you know, as a kid, like, yeah, like, working hard at school, getting validated, like, and I don't think it's shocking that any theater kid enjoys validation. Um, but... <laughs> You know, I read a book, The Velvet Rage, which 
taught me a lot. And one of the main takeaways for me was like, joy is intrinsic, validation is extrinsic. And so I'm never going to be someone who like doesn't seek out validation for sure. Mm. But trying to remember as well, that like those feelings of happiness and fulfillment don't have to come through someone else's uh, words or deeds. They can come from within. Do you get that for you? Because I was asked this the other day. It's like, I get, I get the ego rush of performing and it feeling good for me. But what I'm really doing is I like the performance and I like bringing joy or entertainment to others. And that I feel like is what I'm addicted to. Is like creating a reaction in someone. Um, is that because it's it's hard? Because I like I always joke and I'm like, oh well, I love attention, and whilst yeah. I do. I don't really. It's more that I love that me doing something funny creates joy in another person. I think that's what the addiction is because I do feel like we kind of self-deprecate a little bit as artists as well. Oh, yeah. Kind of make... Just a little. (laughs) But, yeah, we try and be humbled or whatever. But it is is creating creating that enjoyment and that light and others go off, which is beautiful. Yeah, and... Yeah, it's the way you know you're human when you see someone responding to you and also responding to you as you wanted them to respond to you. There's like no better feeling. And yeah, it's it's something I'm sort of re-experiencing now because in high school, all throughout high school, I did speech and debate. And the event I did was like humorous interpretation where you are like a one-man show, like playing all the characters. And when you have a round where people are like laughing out loud at your performance it feels outstanding. And then you can also have rounds where everybody's stone silent and you're like, Ooh, well, I, I should go learn how to knit because this acting thing isn't working out for me. Um, and yet like what was a little difficult to process, but actually ultimately helpful, I think is the ranks you get don't always correspond with the room response. Like I've had rounds where like people were laughing hysterically and I got last place. I've had rounds where nobody was laughing and I got first place. And then look, the best experiences are of course where there's alignment, people are laughing and you get first place, but I've had to kind of learn that's not, yeah, nobody, not everybody speaks in my love language, put it that way. Like my fiance, he is not a big vocal laugher. So like I had to unlearn very fast. Oh, I can't assume I'm not funny at all if he doesn't laugh. (laughs) Like that's just not it. That's and, such a good thing. So what is your love language? Like out of the five, just quickly, if you don't know what they are, they are acts of service, yeah. physical touch, quality time, um, words of affirmation and gifts. Yes. Mm-hmm. I am definitely words of affirmation and quality time with an emphasis on words of affirmation. So actually that's been one of the beautiful experiences of being in the relationship that I'm in is we don't hundred percent align in that way. Like words of affirmation don't ha- hold immense value for him. So like here I am and when we're first dating, giving him some of my best worded compliments and he's just like, cool, thanks. I'm like, hmm, hmm, I guess I didn't write it well enough. Let me try it again. <laughs> um, and he definitely, we both share quality time, which is one of the reasons why we have a strong relationship that we love being around one another, but he's definitely more acts of service and gifts. And so like, he'll be like, Hey, I planned this vacation. And I think that was his initial response. I'd be like, cool, thanks. Um, and not understand like, why oh, does he weird. respond? I might be, do you know, not know what I do for a living? <laughs> yeah. um, so, and then like expectations are a part of it too. Cause like the first screening I had for the show, I remember I walked out of that initially saying to Matt, people didn't laugh as much as I thought, thought they would. And actually I felt kind of bad. And yeah. then I go to like greet everybody afterwards and everyone's like, oh my God, did you hear the response you got? Like people were laughing. People don't laugh out loud like that at stuff. That's like, so I was like, 
I have set the bar a little too high. And in addition, like I'm a big fan of puns and people don't vocally laugh at puns all the time and that's okay. <laughs> you know, you can't expect people to like guffaw the way I would. Why is this audience not as intelligent as I? <laughs> <laughs> My roommate also clocked me recently where he was like, you know, you have a very specific laugh when you're laughing at something you wrote. And I'm like, I hate that. Yeah, it's my favorite laugh because it's the funniest thing. <laughs> Why are we not all on board with this? And my genius, god damn it. Um, Praise me. And, and, and yeah. So, so good. Uh, speaking of expectations, are you, are you now good at, or do you guys have a dialogue <clears throat> in your relationship where you will preface something with an expectation? of the other person or what, how do you kind of, what is your verbiage or your language around that? Yeah. When we're, when we're at our best, I think my therapist imparted great advice that we try to adhere to, which is like, Matt is definitely more of a fixer than I am. So like me giving him the warning up front of like, kind of like, I just want to be listened to right now. I don't need advice. And, um, I am less of that, but Matt will still, I, I can go into solution mode as well being like, you know, type a, so he too will be like, I just want to complain about this for a second. I'm like, okay. And then I know like hands off, don't partake. And especially like, I think we've both gotten better about reading each other. So especially when someone's complaining and they seem downtrodden, it's like now is not solution time or even worse to be like, well, you know what you could have done better in that situation? Not the time, save that for a different moment. Um, and just, yeah, I think be be allies. Like I read a book of the seven principles for making marriage work and they were like, you know, it's you and your partner against the world. And I try to like live by that a lot of the time. Not not creating enemies because like I definitely, if I have left not my own devices, I, <laughs> I create too long a list of, you know who slighted me the other day? Um, <laughs> But feeling like, yeah, we're, we're at the end of the day, we're always on the same team and remembering that and doing what I can to reinforce really the partnership. Good. That's good. I, you know what? I know that in theory that I should announce whether I need a teammate or a referee in mm -hmm. an instant, but often, often if I'm emotional, I leave that out and then still get the referee response when... That's not what you want. Or what's worst I've noticed recently, and I'm probably guilty of this as well, is the behavior that if I'm upset about something, someone will go toe to toe with me as if it, and to me, it feels like they're trying to compete in sadness, if that makes oh, sense. Gosh. I had a loss recently and I know it was in their best interest, but the person who I was talking to was like, well, I know when I lost my parent, I found da 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 and it, it just kind of made me feel like, oh, I now don't have permission to have my feelings because you've been through worse. Like, I just, I struggle with that a little bit as well of being kind of. Oh, it is yeah, such a like difficult. Competition trauma. Like. Yeah, yeah. Tragedy very, Olympics is what my friend called it in college. <laughs> and I think we all do it. And we, we, we're, we're well-intentioned when we do it to others because what we're trying to do is go like, I actually relate. I've also been through it. But sometimes when you're the one who's experiencing something and someone kind of trumps your sadness, it kind of makes you feel more shitty. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Not, help, not a helpful technique. Or you're like, okay, I guess my turn's over. Great. We're, we're on to you now. <laughs> yeah. It's just a weird-ism that I'm acutely aware of recently that I'm like, oh, I need to remember this because I, I, I'm pretty sure I've done this in the past too. Well-intentioned, but it's not nice when you're on sort of the receiving end. <laughs> no. Yeah. The, the, 
you're right. You're trying to relate, but you inadvertently end up like kind of topping someone and it's just not what you were in the mood for. But I do, I do need to get bit, get better at that um, announcing what I need when I'm seeking counsel from someone. Is it that I do want solutions or am I just wanting to be heard? Uh, because if you just want to be heard and someone gives you solutions, not a great chat. Nope. And if you nope. <laughs> want solutions and someone's going, mm-hmm, yeah, ugh, ugh. Oh, I know. And then you're like, and? My, my friend gave me the uh, vocabulary of uh, checking in. Is this a fix it or a feel it situation? Um, and I think that's nice too. But I love teammate or referee. I feel like I'll use that as well. I usually, I think if, if you were to handle Kim Crossman in a crisis, the best, <laughs> the best thing you could do would be teammate me for 20 minutes. Yep. Understand that once I have a shower and something to eat, I will I will be able to logic it out but I'm learning that I react emotionally quite large first. That doesn't mean outward emotion. I'm more likely, it's more inward of like, I'm probably more upset than logically is reasonable or more disappointed or more concerned or worried. And I'll get to a place of logic of them being able to speak to that emotion of like, oh yeah, but you can't logic me when I'm at a heightened eight to 10 emotion. Like... (sighs) That's a really difficult, I'll get there. Trust me, I'll get there. I'm smart. I'm self-aware, but I can't do the both simultaneously. Outside the resiliency zone. Yeah. I've been there. And I think it, it depends on the, depends on the day, I suppose. But what I'm trying to do more frequently too, is like to process it internally a little bit. Cause I think it is an instinct. So many of us have of like, call a parent, call your partner, call your friend. And sometimes you are just deflecting and offloading it instead of like taking the time to, like you said, cause I will realize too, like sometimes something someone says will hurt my feelings, Virgo. Um, and then I'll be like, that is not the way they meant it. Like actually this happened recently where I was at a dinner with Matt and some friends and someone said something that felt very diminishing to me. And I just kind of, I was in public. So all I could do is I was just quiet for 15 minutes and I took some time to sort of replay it a few times. And then I went to the bathroom and Matt, God love him, like got up and met me at the bathroom. He was like, you're replaying that, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I don't think no. he meant it the way you think he meant it. And I was like, based on how the rest of the conversation went, I actually agree with you. I do not think it came off. I, I think I just took it the wrong way. And maybe he phrased it poorly, but I also think I took it the wrong way and was able to be like, okay, I'm good. Thank you. But I was glad like that he, we didn't immediately have that conversation. Cause I feel like I just would have been like, and that was so rude. And how could he have done that? And like, instead yeah. of being like, hold on, hold on, calm down, think about, so I guess put yourself in public when you're having crises and then yeah, you have totally. to work on it in your head. <laughs> That's a great advice. Yeah, yeah. That is difficult. I think when you are someone who is cautious with your tongue or cautious with your words or would be mortified if someone took something the wrong way or took offense, it is really hard to give someone the benefit of the doubt if they've said something cunty because like, <laughs> you probably <True>. wouldn't. <laughs> You're like, like, that would have never left my mouth, but you know. Yeah. Kinda. Like, that's a, that's a tough one for me when I'm like, oh, there's no planet in which I would have said to anyone like, hey, do you think that maybe you're not getting as many jobs because you're so open about like your mental health struggles? Oh, no. You know what I mean? Like things like that would never leave my mouth. So when someone's like, oh, they didn't mean it, they don't understand. I'm like, "Mm, I'm pretty sure that (laughs) 
Yeah, you had every opportunity to think through, how will she take this? <laughs> but I think that's where I struggle sometimes with that reasoning of like, yeah. if if I can't put myself in someone's shoes and imagine myself saying it, getting to the logic of, I don't think they meant it like that is not really playing in my screen. Well, I think like one of the big realizations for me, this was maybe like eight years ago now, was someone posted something very innocent on Facebook of like, did you know some people think more conceptually and don't have running internal monologues? (laughs) My mind was blown. I was like, oh, you're not all constantly narrating the whole day to yourself? No, that you don't have intrusive thoughts, extrusive thoughts, everything going all the time. Um, and so I guess I have to have a correction factor for that. I was like, okay, of uh, no, they didn't think that through 10 steps ahead. And even like at worst, what they said was rude and wasn't kind, but I don't know. Well, that there is that age old intent versus impact question. So actually I think I have become a less anxious person in the years since starting therapy and stuff. And I will say I narrate less, a lot less actually. Wow, great. Um, so for me, it was definitely tied to uh, those feelings. And not to yeah. say I don't think things through or like talk to myself, but like, I wouldn't say it's like rampant throughout the day. Like there are definitely moments where I experience quiet and stillness and uh, I'm I'm grateful for that. And I try to honestly just words of affirm myself plenty of times on even little things like That was a good salad I just ate because sometimes like when you build up that reservoir of positivity, it gets you through darker moments, I find. Yeah, that's so good. I remember exactly finding out that information during the pandemic (laughs) as well. I interviewed this amazing girl called Chloe Swarbrick Mm -hmm. and she doesn't have any dialogue in her head. And she's like, I've never understood in movies why there's voiceover. Like what is happening? Because that's what they're thinking while they're walking down the street. Like, that's their monologue that they're going, yeah, I never thought I would be here. She's like, what is this? What is happening? I'm like, yeah, you don't do that? She's like, no. And that's where I think originally when I, which I'm about to ask you of what your brain looks like, her brain is just like, um, like where I have noises, full-fledged conversations, ideas, it's all words. Hers is just lines and colors. And I'm like, what the fuck does that look like? What child's playpen is this? I want to go to there. It's like laser concept. Like there's not, it's not, I'm like, what do you do in the shower? She's like, shower? I'm like, good Lord, woman. Like, You don't have your, where do you have your existential crises then? I don't have them. What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like we are completely different people. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, when she was she was describing what her brain is, she's like, yeah, it's like a, a color and like conceptual. I was like, I don't even. What are you talking about? No. Uh, what does your brain look like? Does do you have a pit, an image? A, is there a guy up there? Is it a park? Oh goodness! I think actually, being the optimist that I am, I think it is like a young, joyful kid, uh, you know, trying to get the attention of his family. And sometimes they are very attentive. And sometimes mom and dad got business calls to make and you just got to entertain yourself a little bit. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And that's your brain. Is it Mm -hmm. you in your brain? Do you see a younger you or like an animated you? Or what do you look like? Oh, yeah. Am I having a Lizzie McGuire bitmoji moment? Um, It's me. I think it's like, in some ways, oh, this is going to sound so morbid. I don't mean it that way, though. Like, I, when I think of moments of, like, pure joy in my life, it's just like, 
playing video games that like, you know, is a 10 year old with like, no, no concerns, no fears, no thoughts. And like, I think, um, Matt would tell you that like, when I watch animated movies, for instance, I like cry a lot. And I think he's like, I think you experience great, like a fondness for moments that remind you of your childhood. And so, yeah, I think that's why, like, I see like the constantly working me sort of inside out style as like a kid's running things up there. Cause at the end, all I want is just to be happy and carefree and like life gets more complicated, but I think I try not to lose that, you know, uh, fourth grade Frank because he, he got a lot right. That's beautiful. Do you have a favorite animated movie? Uh, yeah, I have a few, but I think, I mean, I love Wreck-It Ralph just because I love video games so much. And I think like the the cleverness of all the characters, but also the underlying concept of like people's duality just really spoke to me. I love that. Have you seen Storks? No, I haven't. How is it? It's so good. It's such a, like, what do you say? Is the phrase that people are sleeping on it? It came out maybe like six years ago. Andy Samberg voices one of the main characters. It is so funny. And no one has seen it. So that can be your homework. It's like, (laughs) now that I've completely raised the bar of expectations on it, I thought it was hilarious. They break the fourth wall a lot. Like, it's just, you can tell when they were voicing things that they're adding in a lot of improvs based on now what they're seeing as the visual. So that's, you'll get a kick out of that as someone who's like industry in the industry and stuff. And you know what's funny? Like, I... I wouldn't have even known that existed five minutes ago, but now you're reminding me of that movie. And I feel like I saw like a teaser trailer for it so often, like of just like 20 seconds, but I never saw a full on trailer and definitely never saw the movie. So yeah, I I guess there was a spot in my mind. that was like, what happened to Storks? Yeah. yeah. Where is that? (laughs) I don't know why. Yeah. It tickled me. I think it'll tickle you as well. Um, Okay. So I'll watch Rick at Ralph because I've actually not seen that. Oh, great. Okay. We'll trade notes. And we can honor our inner child. Uh, Hey, thank you so much. Was there anything that you kind of wanted to also impart on? Because this has just been such a joyous chat and I realize I've taken more of your time than I intended on it already. No, no, this is wonderful. Um, I guess... uh... Oh, you know, so I, I have a question for you, which is I I love my therapist, Gail. Shout out to Gail. Um, Shout she's out incredible. Gail. I think part of the reason is that like uh she's an, you know, older woman who like I will tell her all my like young gay issues and she just kind of nods and is like, mm, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> and like is so a fan of being educated. So I, I love a good lifelong student. I consider myself that and I think it's why we vibe. Uh so the question is why do you why do you and Gwendolyn vibe so well? Oh, that is a great question. There's a couple of reasons. One, I went to her in 2019 when I was pretty suicidal and really scared. My sister actually went to see her before me, kind of just as a Ricky. Like, she went to therapy to... She she got the all clear. They were like, you don't need it. You're great. Oh God, that's my sister. They're like, you don't need this. Go on with your life. But it helped because my sister demystified it for me. I was really nervous about going. I knew I wasn't okay. I was being more hard on myself because I couldn't just, as my people-pleasing positive mother would shower and start again, kind of, you know, you said, leave the house with a smile. It was always, well, shower and start again kind of moments. And I would shower a lot and couldn't start again. And um, so I think I do... I do hold a lot of value to Gwendolyn because had I not seen her then, I needed some kind of 
intervention in my thinking. I was so worried about diagnoses because I was worried it would be so much worse than it was. So I think my vibe is that what I was afraid of has, thanks to her being just like super chill and cool, was good. And then second of all, I'm not scared to tell her anything. Like to her, it's all just like, she's like, yep, cool. Well, that's what this is. I guess all these things, I'm like, I must be like so unwell to have these thoughts or, you know, and she's like, yeah, that's called this. Like, So (laughs) I I think I was just lucky because I know not everyone has a great experience with their first therapist and they have to get through a few. I think that she herself has experienced, you know, manic bipolar and other things, which initially I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Like, cool, should we both be getting help or whatever? (laughs) I actually, that was my initial thought, which I've told her. I was like, that doesn't, Uh, I think that that's what's great. She's been there. And so, you know, she's like, I thought I was Jesus at one point. So like, we're fine. You're fine. (laughs) I was like, okay, cool. I, I, (laughs) that is a brilliant answer. I'm so happy I asked. Yeah. Yeah. And like Gail, um, at one point, like I was saying to her, like, I hesitated during our session. She was like, what is it? This was a few years ago. And I was like, I don't want to tell you this because I want you to still like me. And she was just like, I do like you. And like, that's it. That's all she had to say. Like, she didn't like defend it any more than that. And that was also a great lesson for me of like, sometimes a simple true statements, like, enough I definitely tend to like over talk points and just saying like I'm here I care about you I love you and definitely when your therapist likes you you've made it in this world that's all I gotta say yeah, so like, yeah, yeah, it's all like, like, knowing all that you know you said okay great, great. Yeah, 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 I must be pretty okay have you been watching that show shrinking I haven't yet how is it well, it's good, but terrifying because like there's an element of me that I'm like, well, if you, I need you to at least have your shit together to help me. But then like also learning that that's not how the planet works, but. <laughs> sure, definitely not. No. And like, I think of the show, show. Gyp- I think of the show Gypsy and like, I know Gail is not going to like, you know, go visit all my friends and like work her way into their lives. So like, I'm, we're, we're good. We're Here's okay. hoping. <laughs> <laughs> Although if she could fix them, I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have thought that I'm like. I wonder if they could come in and would you be able to tell them that <laughs> how can I control this to work in my favor? That would Him be- and I have been talking and what we decided is you should. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You should do this. Hey, um, thank you for your time. I love you so much. Thank okay. you. Where can people find you on the internet and where can they find this amazing show? Both of them. Sure. Thank you. So, um, Ocean Explorers is on YouTube on the Baby Einstein's channel. Um, open to it. Uh, the first three episodes are our website, opentoitseries.com, and the next six will be out later this year. And I'm at, at frank.arthur.smith on Instagram. You know, come see some positivity, some thirst traps, whatever you want. It's there. So good. So beautiful. Hey, thank you so much. I love you. <laughs> love you, Kim. Thanks for doing it.